Please rise and body your spirit. God sent Christ into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. God's love endures forever. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. God's love endures forever. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you despise nothing that you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our flaws, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. seated. 
The first lesson comes from the book of Joel, reading in the second chapter, the first two verses, then continuing from verse 12 to verse 17. Listen for the word of God to us this night. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for God is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether God will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offered for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, Assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest, the minister of the Lord, weep. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, Where is their God? Here ends the first reading. The second lesson is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, the sixth chapter, the first six verses, then continuing from the 16th to the 21st. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your face and wash your face, so that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes 
and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here ends the second reading. The final lesson is taken from 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, beginning in the 20th verse, and continuing through the 10th verse of the 6th chapter. Continue to listen for the word of God. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time, I have listened to you, and on the day of salvation, 
I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. We are putting obstacles in no one's way so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way through great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and are yet well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join me now, if you will. pray. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This time of year, I often think of a poem by Barry Shepherd. Why not affirm yourself this Lent? Be kind and gentle to your you. Go walking, learn to breathe, read a book. No bread and wine and flesh. Love yourself enough to give it as a gift of love to life or death. Share hope with one who mourns, grief with one who laughs, and rediscover all the yous you left behind in getting to this place, from which, with ashes on your head, you go in search of Easter. I love that. So often we need to remember to be kind to ourselves, 
to see ourselves through God's eyes. And the essential message of the gospel about justification is that God sees us as though we are Jesus Christ. To see ourselves through God's eyes is then to see ourselves in Jesus Christ as the beloved of God with whom God is well pleased, as we were reminded at the Transfiguration on Sunday. What a difference that makes when we see ourselves as God sees us. That is the very grace of God. And surely to be able to do so is to be able then to give grace, to share hope, to grieve, and to laugh, and to recover the essential selves that God loves so much, but that we so often bury in sin. But in order to recover our essential selves, there is a sifting through the sin that must occur, because sometimes do our lives not cry out for self-care of a different variety? Do our lives perhaps cry out for examination, or do they cry out for correction? The grace of God is the ability to see ourselves as God sees us, as beloved, seen as sinless in Christ. But that's not really our reality, though, is it? Paul puts it this way, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christians talk about salvation as a twofold process, justification and sanctification. Justification is the means by which God sees us as sinless, and sanctification is the means by which God actually makes us sinless. I think the doctrine of justification can be simplified in this crude way. God looks at us through love goggles. But even when we are seen through loving eyes, reality remains, doesn't it? To be sure, we do come to God for grace, but we also receive from God judgment. That's important because it is the second half of what we believe about salvation, that God actually works within us to make us holy, to make us sinless. And I have no illusions that any of us are going to see sinless this side of the kingdom. Moreover, I do remember, even as we prepare to face our mortality with the imposition of ashes, that judgment is a laden term. It is freighted with all sorts of meaning. We hear the word and perhaps a chill blows through us. We fear judgment, do we not? And why shouldn't we? You know the content of your confessions better than I do. We leave the gap between the unison prayer on Sundays and the Kyrie for that moment of introspection and clarity, 
And once a rather acerbic member has told me that it is never long enough to cover even the basics. We get to the assurance of pardon, they said, and they are only on Tuesday. Their words, not mine. And yet week in and week out, we hear the same words inviting us to confess that God, who is merciful and just, has promised to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We hear the words from Romans that the only one who can condemn us is the one who died for us, rose for us, reigns in power for us, and indeed prays for us. And we are reminded as we face our mortality with the dust of the earth rubbed on our brows that grace and judgment are never one without the other. Never are we left to our sin. God's grace is always with us. And never are we left in our sin because God loves us too much to leave us as we are. God's judgment is the way that we become sinless because God's judgment isn't about punishing us but rather about making right what has been wrong, about making the world and each of us within it whole. Each week we sing some version of this, Lord have mercy upon us, Christ have mercy upon us, Lord have mercy upon us. And as we do so, we know that God's grace permeates our existence, whether we know it or not, whether we remember it or not, in the big moments and the small ones. And we know as well that whether our sin is large or small, that God forgives. And whether our supplications are heartfelt or blasé, God always hears, because God is always with us. And whether we feel that we have been forgiven or not, that we are. Because God made all life out of the overflowing of God's love, all of life is sacred. As we contemplate our sin and God's grace this Lent, I am left with favorite words of mine from Frederick Buechner. Listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery that it is. In the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness. Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis, all moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
may be seated. Beloved people of God, every year at the time of the Christian Passover, we celebrate our redemption through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lent is a time to prepare for this celebration and to renew our lives in the Paschal Mystery. We begin this holy season by acknowledging our need for repentance and for the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We begin our journey to Easter with the sign of ashes. This ancient sign speaks to the frailty and uncertainty of human life and marks the penitence of this community. I invite you, therefore, in the name of Christ, to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and penitence, by prayer and fasting, by works of love, and by meditating on God's Word. Now let us bow before God, our Creator and Redeemer, and confess our sin. Join me in our invitation with the litany of penitence. Holy and merciful God, we confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, O God. We have not listened to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, O God. We confess to you, O God, all our past unfaithfulness for the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience in our lives. Have mercy on us, O God, for our self-indulgent appetites and ways and our exploitation of other people. Have mercy on us, O God, for our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves. Have mercy on us, O God, for our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts and our dishonesty in daily life and work. Have mercy on us, O God, for our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to commend the faith that is in us. Have mercy on us, O God. Accept our repentance, O God, for the wrongs we have done, for our neglect of human need and suffering and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. Have mercy on us, O God, for all false judgments for uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us. Have mercy on us, O God, for our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us. Have mercy on us, O God. Restore us, O God of our salvation, and show us your steadfast love. Turn to us in your mercy, and redeem us. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. 
May these ashes be for us a sign of our mortality and penitence, for it is only by your gracious gift are we given everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.
Accomplish in us, O God, the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world by the cross and the passion of our Savior. Bring us to the joys of Christ's resurrection. Let us pray together. Eternal God, you have reached for us so often, so persistently. We know of your love for us from so many sources, and we know as well that we may draw near to you with the needs of our hearts. And we do so not as distant followers held at arm's length, but as your beloved children held close. So it is that we pray to you this evening of our concerns. For world affairs beyond our control, we pray your mercy. For the people of Ukraine, we pray for peace, knowing that you alone are the source of shalom, of the peaceable kingdom. Where there are those in harm's way, we pray protection. Where we harbor enmity and prejudice, we pray awareness and grace for ourselves that we may learn forgiveness. Teach us how we may serve you more fully in ways we cannot imagine. We pray for needs closer to home for our own community. As we enter the season of Lent, we ask that you would open our eyes to the needs that are on our very doorstep. May we see those and others whose names are known to you and offer compassion and goodwill. We pray for victims of violence and gun violence in particular. We offer our prayers as well for all who practice the healing arts, for their endurance and for their safety, and for those entrusted with the safety of communities. We pray as well for ourselves, for our own material and spiritual needs, where our members suffer from illness and affliction. Grant your healing touch. Bring wholeness. For any in our midst who suffer from depression or addiction, give us understanding and compassion. For those who are lonely, may we be a place of friendship, a warm haven where love is shared. We make these and all of our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace, both this day and forevermore. Amen.